scripture reading this morning is from two places in the Old Testament. Both, both of these readings occur when the people of Israel are on their way to the land of Canaan, the land that the Lord swore to them. We see how he protected them on their way and he encouraged them as they finally prepare to enter that rest. We'll first read from Numbers 21. Numbers 21, verses 21 through 35, and then following that from Joshua 1. First, Numbers 21, this is the account of the attack of the two kings, Sihon and Og, which is mentioned in our text for today. Numbers 21, beginning at verse 21. Then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, saying, Let me pass through your land. We will not turn aside into field or vineyard. We will not drink the water of a well. We will go by the king's highway until we have passed through your territory. But Sihon would not allow Israel to pass through his territory. He gathered all his people together and went out against Israel to the wilderness and came to Jahaz and fought against Israel. And Israel defeated him with the edge of the sword and took possession of his land from the Arnon to the Jabbok as far as to the Ammonites, for the border of the Ammonites was strong. And Israel took all these cities And Israel settled in the cities of the Amorites, in Heshbon, and in all its villages. For Heshbon was the city of Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who had fought against the former king of Moab and had taken all his land out of his hand, as far as the Arnon. Therefore the ballad singers say, Come to Heshbon, let it be built. Let the city of Sihon be established." For fire came, came from Heshbon, flame from the city of Sihon. It devoured Ar of Moab and swallowed the heights of the Arnon. Woe to you, O Moab. You are undone, O people of Chemosh. He has made his sons fugitives and his daughters captives to an Amorite king, Sihon. So we overthrew them. Heshbon, as far as Dibon, perished. And we laid waste as far as Nopha. Fire spread as far as Mediba. Thus Israel lived in the land of the Amorites. And Moses sent to spy out Jazer, and they captured its villages and dispossessed the Amorites who were there. Then they turned and went up by the way to Bashan. And Og, the king of Bashan, came out against them, he and all his people, to battle at Edrei. But the Lord said to Moses, Do not fear him, for I have given them into your hand and all his people and his land. And you shall do to him as you did to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who lived at Heshbon. So they defeated him and his sons and all his people until he had no survivor left, and they possessed his land. We'll turn now to... Joshua chapter 1. Joshua 1, and we will read verses 1 through 9. 
or heading there, God commissions Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, going toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So far, our scripture reading. We'll now sing Psalm 78, stanzas 1, 4, and 21. The text this morning is Deuteronomy 31, verses 1 through 8. Joshua to succeed Moses. So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel. So he's giving them instruction at the end of his life. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, You shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you, and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. 
and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. After the proclamation of the gospel, we will respond with hymn 38, all three stanzas. Beloved congregation of Jesus Christ, we can have confidence today. It's possible for all of us to be strong and courageous and full of hope for the future for one reason and one reason only. Our God goes before us. The Lord himself goes in front of us as we make our way through this life and into the next. This was the word for Israel as they prepared to finally enter the promised land, and this is the message for us too. We who are still on our journey as pilgrims heading to the final promised land. For those Israelites, the immediate future seemed uncertain. The leader that had led them for 40 years He was not going to lead them anymore. And for many of them, this was the only life that they ever knew. Life with Moses as their leader. He was their go-between. He was their mediator between God and the people. And they probably wondered, are we really going to be okay without Moses? And this is something that perhaps might be on your own minds today. You've recently lost your pastor, and it's impossible for us to know when you'll receive a new one. There are a lot of unknowns on our end. What kind of leadership can we expect? We don't know the details of these things, but there is encouragement here for all of God's people. Even though leadership may change, one thing remains. God goes ahead of his people. He goes ahead of his people so that we can lay hold of what has been promised to us. God is the supreme leader and protector of his people, the people whom he loves. And just as he has provided for us in the past, so we can be sure that he will continue to provide for his precious children going forward. He will bring to completion everything that he has begun. The word of the Lord comes to us today in this way. The Lord assures his people that he goes before them. In the first place, this is an encouragement to the people. And secondly, this is an encouragement to the leaders. First, this is an encouragement to the people. At the end of the book of Deuteronomy, the people of Israel are on the verge of realizing what they had been looking forward to for 40 years. 
Finally, they were about to enter the land of Canaan. This promise, the promise concerning the land, it was made to the parents of the present generation. Remember, this is the second generation of Israelites who had come out of Egypt. Their parents had come out of Egypt. They had crossed the desert and they had arrived at the promised land. They had made it there, but they didn't believe that they would be able to take it. And so they had to wander for 40 years until the last of that generation had died. The promised, the promise passed from them to their children. Their children would get the land, and it's these children that Moses is addressing now. And think of what might be going through their minds at this time. They're about to enter the land. And it didn't end well. It didn't end well the last time the Israelites tried to enter. Let's look at Numbers chapter 14 for a moment. We're going to look at verses 40 through 45. Looking at 15. Yeah, Numbers 14, 40 through 45. So this is right after the, re- the report of the 12 spies who had spied out Canaan. Um, they had gone in uh, to, and, and brought back a report. Ten of the spies um, came back and said, it's impossible. We cannot take the land. Only Joshua and Caleb came with a good report. They believed in the Lord and said, he has promised it to us. Let's go in and get it. Israel sided with the 12 spies, and they, they disobeyed. They didn't believe that they could take the land. And so the Lord instructed Moses to tell the people that they couldn't have the land. Their children would have it instead because they didn't believe. And then this is what they did the next morning. Verse 40, and they rose early in the morning, and they went up to the heights of the hill country, saying, here we are. We will go up to the place that the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. They sinned in in not believing. So they regret that they didn't believe, and now they decide to go and fight anyway. But Moses said, this is verse 41, Moses said, Why now are you transgressing the command of the Lord when that will not succeed? Do not go up, for the Lord is not among you lest you be struck down before your enemies. For there the Amalekites and the Canaanites are facing you, and you shall fall by the sword. Because you have turned back from following the Lord, the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up to the heights of the hill country, although neither the ark of the covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed out of the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down and defeated them and pursued them even to Hormah. So as the new generation is preparing to go in, surely this was on their minds. Our dads couldn't do it last time. What's different this time? 
What's different? Well, back then, Moses had warned them, do not go up because the Lord is not with you. And that's what's different. In our text, here with the new generation, Moses assures the people twice. First in verse 3, the Lord, your God himself, will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of the land. And then in verse 6, do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord, your God, is with you. What reassuring words for this new generation. The Lord, their God, is with them. Even though Moses will not be. Moses, what a prophet and leader and mediator he was for the people of Israel. How often Moses had stood between them and the Lord, interceding for them so that the Lord wouldn't destroy them when they rebelled. He taught them the ways of the Lord. He gave them his commands, and there was never a prophet again like Moses. But he wouldn't be going forward with them. You think they were nervous about this? Moses isn't going with us. Moses has always been with us. He's been our leader and our teacher for 40 years. What are we going to do? How will they go forward without their shepherd? The answer is that the Lord is with them. And he is still providing everything that they need. In verse 3, Moses comforts them. I am not going with you, but Joshua. Joshua will cross over ahead of you as the Lord has said. Joshua is not just some random guy. The Lord is providing leadership of his choosing. God had selected this man personally. He had selected this man to keep watch over his people. And this would be clear to the Israelites who had witnessed his commission. It was an official ceremony that's recorded in Numbers 27, 18 to 21. The Lord says to Moses there, Take Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eliezer the priest and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. So they can see this. You shall invest him with some of your authority that all the congregation of the people may obey. And he shall stand before Eliezer the priest, who shall inquire for him by the judgment of the Urim before the Lord. At his word they shall go out, and at his word they shall come in, both he and all the people of Israel with him, the whole congregation. Joshua is selected by God himself. He is commissioned by God, and he has authority given by God. And Joshua will know what to do. Why? Because God will tell him. And this is reminiscent of the time when the 70 elders 
were selected to help Moses lead the people. In Numbers 11, God says to Moses, I will take some of the spirit that is on you and I will put it on them. God had been blessing Moses with sufficient spiritual power for his task, but Moses was physically and mentally overcome by the magnitude of that work. So 70 elders were chosen, and they received spiritual power too. Not in addition to what Moses had received, but God took some of what he had given Moses, and he gave it to the elders. They didn't need additional spiritual power for leading, as though God suddenly had to step up what he was providing and and fill a lack. No. God had been providing exactly the spiritual help that was necessary. And where humans falter, that same measure of God's spiritual gift is administered in a different way through different leadership. The leadership of Israel had taken different forms, but one thing One thing had remained the same. God had provided exactly what was perfect for them at all times. The dispensation of his care has always been in the perfect measure. And even though men are weak, men get old, men are limited, and pastors come and go, God's care is the same. The leadership of Israel was never short on spiritual gifts from God. His care is sufficient. It will just be administered in a different way. This congregation is vacant and there's uncertainty. Maybe some restlessness about how this is all going to go in the coming days and weeks and and maybe even in the coming years. Some congregations wait, you know, several years before receiving a pastor again. What can you expect in the meantime? Are you going to be okay? And this is what the Lord declares to you today. The Lord declares has provided, and he is providing exactly the leadership that is needed. You have office bearers who have been commissioned by God for this task. God himself, through this church, has called them to these offices and has equipped them with exactly the spiritual gifts that are perfect for your needs. There is no lack. And God himself teaches these office bearers what they should do for you. The leadership has looked different on the face, different men, but it is of the same substance that it has been all along. The Lord God himself has been going with you the whole time. He's going ahead of you and with you into the future too. His care does not change for you one bit. God assures you of this today, just as he 
assured Israel when they were about to enter Canaan. The people are going to have new leadership, but God will destroy their enemies just as he had done with Sihon and Og, kings of the Amorites and of Bashan. The Lord holds this out to them as proof, proof that they can defeat the Canaanites as well. The Lord uses events from the past as a guarantee that he will grant success in the future. We heard that this morning. This is how he addressed Israel before giving the law. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. I did that for you. I have done this great thing for you. I have done another great thing for you. And just as I have done those things, I will do the next great thing for you. You can depend on it. Same here with Sihon and Og. They threatened to destroy you. And I took care of it. Whatever comes up and threatens you and worries you, I'll deliver you from that too. You are my people and I love you. I'll do what I've promised. The Lord assures his people. And he says in verse 5, The Lord will deliver them to you and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. The Lord is the one who is acting here. And while the Lord accomplishes it all with the strength of his hand, he still requires obedience, demands obedience. We can learn from the prayer of Augustine where he prays to God, Lord, command what you will and grant what you command. There's an acknowledgement here that the Lord has commanded his people to be obedient. Do the things that he commands. But we also acknowledge that he is going to grant that we're able to do his commands. He does this by teaching us in his word, especially through the preaching. He teaches us how to walk, how to act in faith. And this faith is worked by the Holy Spirit by the preaching of the word, and this faith is a pure gift of his grace toward us. The Israelites are being commanded here to be diligent in driving out the nations from the land of Canaan. See, there are, there are two reasons for this. Number one, this land of Canaan, the promised land, this is going to be the place where the Lord would live with his people. Because God's special presence was going to be there, it had to be holy. It had to be pure. The wickedness of those nations has no business in the special presence of God. Number two, if they didn't drive out these nations, if they allowed them to live alongside Israel, well then, Israel would begin to commit the same sins that they were doing. Worshipping the idols of the Canaanites. They have to get that influence out of the land. Well, what is that teaching us? Obviously, we're not being commanded to drive out ungodly people from 
our neighborhoods, from our cities. We don't live in a theocracy. This is a different time. No, at this time, we are the church. The church who live in the midst of ungodly people, and we don't engage them in physical war, but we engage them with the word. So what are we being taught? Well, we're being taught something about our indwelling sin. God commands us to root out sin from our lives. Drive it out because it has no business in our life with God. We enjoy the special presence of God in us, in us and among us, even more so than Israel could because we have received the pouring out of the Spirit of God. And as members of Christ, we must have nothing to do with that kind of life. We are holy people, and that has no business in us. And further, if, if we don't root it out, it will only influence us to further sinfulness. Now, it's impossible It's impossible for us to try to do this in our own strength. But this is the whole point. This is the whole point. It was impossible. It was impossible for Israel to defeat their enemies. It was impossible for them to do it in their own strength. They would all die. They would all die on the battlefield if it was required that they do it themselves. But God has promised that he will fight for them and he will equip them to grind it out and to keep fighting in obedience. And in the same way, God commands us. He commands us to go forward as his holy people. He commands us to do away with sin that has a foothold in our lives. We can't do it ourselves, but he has promised to fight our battles for us. We have to believe that. We have to believe it and charge forward, attacking in faith, We have to recall what he has done for his people through history. We have to recall what he has done so far for this congregation. How often have you experienced his blessings? Recall what he has done for each one of you and know for sure that he carries you forward. Believe him and follow in obedience. Believe your God. Israel was encouraged to believe this promise, to follow their leader Joshua into the land. Joshua was going in front. And we can continue forward too because our Joshua went on in front of us our Savior Jesus Joshua Yeshua Jesus this is all the same name it's just three different languages English Hebrew and Greek Jesus whose name means salvation Yeshua he saved us from our sins sins that would have kept us out of our inheritance Because he took our sins upon himself, because he completely paid the penalties for them and made satisfaction for us, he was allowed to ascend into heaven 
The sacrifice that he made was acceptable to God. And just as Joshua went ahead of his people, he was their forerunner. Just as he secured their inheritance for them, so our Savior Jesus Christ passed through the heavens to prepare the way for us, each one of us, into our eternal inheritance. He is our great forerunner. He's made the way. He's opened it up. We have our brother in heaven as a guarantee that we will be granted admittance to. He had to go on ahead, but he also remains with us. In Matthew 28, verse 20, he reassures us, I am with you to the end of the age. He's our brother, but he is also our God and our Lord. He has given us his spirit by whose power we are able to fight against sin. We're able to fight against the inhabitants, the old inhabitants of this old life. And the power that God grants us to fight, think about this, the power that God grants us to fight against our enemies today is no less powerful, no less powerful than the miraculous acts of deliverance that he did for Israel. The plagues of Egypt, the crossing over the Red Sea, all of the ways that he destroyed Israel's armies, or armies, Israel's enemies in battle. The power that he gives us to fight against sin today is no less powerful than that. God certainly act with, acted with supernatural power there, and he has promised to act for you with that same power. For Israel, their leadership is changing, but the promise remains. You will get this land. You will get this land. The leadership is changing, but the Lord still goes ahead of you. That will not change. The people of Israel are strengthened by these assuring words that the Lord has given Moses to speak to them, and he also has words for Joshua their new leader, and that's briefly our second point. Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Joshua receives words that are similar to the words that the people received. And this is understandable, isn't it? Moses has been the leader of the people all this time, but he's also been Joshua's leader and teacher. Joshua needs the assuring word of God too. And what does Joshua need? What is going to reinforce Joshua's confidence in his role as a leader? Well, Moses reminds Joshua of the steadfast promises of God. Whatever God has sworn will never fall away. 
The Lord has sworn it, and so it will certainly be fulfilled. It's Joshua's job. It's Joshua's job to take them into the land that the Lord swore to give them. If he had any doubts about his ability to carry out the duties of his office and calling, these words should calm his fears. In human terms, what are the chances, what were the chances that Israel would be successful in taking the land, in in going in against experienced armies, fighting against them and seizing their land? What are the chances that this new leader would be able to lead this, this young nation successfully in battle? Probably zip. But what does Joshua think of his chances now? Let's think about this. Joshua's thinking, my job is to bring them into the promised land. That's the objective here. Now, the Lord swore an oath. The Lord swore an oath that they would get this land. Right? That means that God will certainly grant success. The Lord will make sure, he'll make sure that I can do this. And what's more, the Lord himself goes in front of me and with me. He will never forsake me or leave me. Well, that's quite a guarantee, isn't it? There's nothing that anyone could ever be more sure of than something the Lord has directly promised. There's nothing more sure in the universe. The Lord always keeps his promises. Not one promise will ever fall away. Think about this. If you're an elder, if you're an elder called by God himself to the task of shepherding this flock, then think very carefully about the promises that God has made to this congregation. God has promised that these people here have everlasting life, forgiveness of sins, an inheritance of an eternal rest that will not spoil or fade. God has sworn to give these things to this congregation. Not just God's people in general, these people here, you. As an elder, your job is to lead them on their way, lead them on their way to the thing that God swore to give. If you rely on God to be your help, you cannot fail. How awesome is that? God has promised that you will be successful. Don't forget that. Joshua is instructed to bring the people into the land that God has promised. And also that he must divide the land among the people as their inheritance. Each tribe, each family has a portion that has been set aside by God for them. It has been prepared for them all along, and Joshua has to oversee its distribution. Joshua has to see to it that each one enters their rest and receives what was apportioned to them. How does he do this? 
Well, he has to make sure that they know the promises of God. They have to remember and recount all the great things that the Lord has already done for them. They have to believe. Elders, make sure that the word of the Lord goes out to the people so that they will believe. So that they will be strong and courageous in laying hold, laying hold of what has been promised. In Joshua 1, 7 and 8, Joshua is instructed by God to be careful to obey all the law that, the, that, the Lord, that Moses has given to him. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep the book of the law always on his lips and meditate on it day and night. The law of Moses, all the commands of the Lord, what is that? Joshua has to know the gospel of salvation and teach it to the people. That's what the law is. The law, the sacrifices, it's all a proclamation of forgiveness of sins. It's the proclamation of reconciliation with God. It's the announcement that even though we're sinful people, every single one of us, God wants to dwell with us. And he has provided a way for that to happen. The announcement of salvation in the great Joshua. Our Lord Jesus Christ. He paid for our sins. And he opened the way for us to come boldly before God. This is how we have a right to our inheritance. It's ours. It has your name on it. Through Christ... We have become heirs, children and heirs, and we can lay hold, we can grab a hold of his eternal promises. If Joshua keeps this close and teaches it to the people, it will be well in the land. Same ex exhortation is for the leaders of the church today. Elders. Make sure that the word of the Lord comes to the people. Ensure that the promises of God are proclaimed. The members of the church know who God is and what he has done for us. See to it that we are reminded that the God who brought us out of Egypt, who freed us from slavery to sin, who defeated Israel's enemies with divine power, and who uses that same power to deliver us from spiritual enemies, this same God goes before us and is with us today. Our Savior Jesus has gone ahead of us into the rest the rest that God swore to give to us. Beloved people of God, Jesus has opened a way for us to go to the throne of the Father. And he has also sent us his spirit to be our comfort and our strength. We are on our way to the new promised land. And our God is with us. He goes before us. Be strong and courageous for the future because your inheritance is being prepared for you.
Amen.